Hey guys, Rick here. Before we jump in, I just wanted to point out that this is an extra episode of The First Cut. If you like this and want to hear more of it, let us know. Tweet at First Cut Pod and let us know how we're doing. In this episode, I'll tell you all the bets that I've already made. That's right, putting my money where my mouth is. Greg and I will also break down the most interesting head-to-head matchups, and finally, we reveal our one-and-done picks. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, let us know. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Players Championship Betting Preview, Greg Ducharme. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be back on a Wednesday. This is like a brand new thing. This is uh, you, never never been seen ever in the world. The world premiere of like the betting preview uh, on a Wednesday. I'm excited for this. I can't wait. And I know you got some good bets. I know we got a, we got a couple of matchups here. We got our one and done to get into. These are some of my favorite topics. Yeah, and what's nice about this is um, we're able to really kind of dive dive deeper into some of these things as opposed to you know just throwing a couple of matchups at the back end, which actually I think we've been pretty good at hitting a lot of those matchups at the end of the DFS show, but we'll be able to talk through quite a few of them today. I'm in. Uh, all right, let's start with this. Let's start with kind of, uh, I want to get your take on some of the bets that I've already made and see how crazy I am or, or what your feedback is. So if you, you know, if you watch the full, you know, DFS preview, you can kind of get an idea of uh, the guys that we like and don't like. But the first bet that I made, Greg, is Bryson DeChambeau at 22 to one. And he's still 22 to one at William Hill right now. Um, that was the first one that as soon as I saw, you know, I woke up on, on Monday, saw the number, I fired one. I think it's a great bet. He's playing great. Uh, he's driving the ball really, really well. And all the work that he's done in, I mean, if you haven't heard, Bryson has, is bulking up and he's huge. (laughs) I I have not heard that at all. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's massive now. Uh, and he hits the ball forever. He's basically now a beast. And so it, <laughs> it's, it's actually working. You, were, you talked yesterday a little bit, Rick, about how uh, historical his strokes gain off the tee numbers are. Yeah. I think driving in the golf ball is going to be very important. Um, distance is definitely mitigated here at the Players' Championship. But I do believe in March, uh, the move from March to May, this now being the second year, I do still think distance is an advantage, more of an advantage in March than it was in May. Um, and, and the fairways maybe get a little softer. It was firm last week at, at, uh, in Orlando. So we'll see how it is this week. But I do believe Bryson is a great pick. Distance is always an advantage. And, but the thing about Bryson that I like is, one, improved short game numbers. I, it's still my biggest concern with him, but it's getting better. And so when, when you look at that, that's saying, hey, not only is he bulking up, but he's improving on the weakest area of his game. Last time I looked, he was like 35th in proximity to hole from the sand. It was an area that throughout his career he's been extremely poor in. So I, I like what I'm seeing with the short game out of him. Uh, last week was tough, but um, and, and the putting it has been pretty good. And I, I really think Bryson's a, a smart player on a course where uh, smarts are important. I think it's a really smart bet, Rick. So I think the thing that gets lost in outright bets, bets to actually win the golf tournament, is that your golfer has to win the golf tournament, which yeah. I know I know it sounds weird, but you don't get any credit for picking a 100 to one golfer who finishes third. 
it was probably a great pick because you were much higher on him than what Vegas was and what his odds indicated, but you still lost your money as if he missed the cut. Well, that's the thing about betting to win is odds are, you know, they're useless. They're really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the odds are. Only one guy's going to win. So you have to determine, well, who's going to win the tournament? Whether you get great odds. I mean, sure, maybe you throw a, a small portion of your your betting budget on a on a long shot because it's going to pay nicely. So when you're betting over multiple players, it's important. But only one guy's going to win. And if he's 6-1, to 20-1, or 600-1, to one, it doesn't really matter. If you don't have anything on him, uh, then you're losing. So where I'm going with this is basically there are some guys who are kind of, um, I don't want to say they are incapable of getting to the winning score, but they would need like a career best by a mile performance to get there. So I'll give you a tangible example of this. If we use um, 15 strokes gained, that is generally how many strokes you need to gain on the field to win the player's championship over the course of the last three years. You need to gain 15 strokes over four rounds. Um, someone like a Daniel Berger, and I picked him because he's like 20th on my list here. He's like 50 to one is almost incapable of getting to that number. I have him getting to that number 0.01% of the time. So it might be like if he finishes fourth, that's great. You know, he was 50 to one, but he still didn't win. Like some of these guys are actually incapable of getting there. And some guys are much more volatile. The range of outcomes is much wider and they actually can. I keep thinking about Kevin Na a lot, Greg, like Kevin Na is a miscut machine, but he wins, you know, once a year or, or he's won twice in his last 18 starts, something like that. Like he can pop off. Those are the guys you want to bet in outrights. And uh, that's exactly right. Daniel Berger is probably a, a really smart play in fantasy, right? Getting him. He's probably going to play pretty well. He's been playing well as of late. Uh, he has a pretty good record here. I, I think that Daniel Berger is a good pick this week. Not for betting outright. I completely agree with you. I don't see him holding the trophy at the end of this. He also is not a prolific winner. Kevin Na, over the past two years, is a prolific winner. He wins golf tournaments. And a golf course like this, I would much rather have a Kevin Na than a Daniel Berger. So I'm 100% with you. The next bet I made was Scotty Scheffler to finish in the top 10 at 7-1. to and my reasoning for that is look, he's he's been great. He has shown us in both difficult fields and on difficult tracks that he can hold his own. Uh, he led the field in strokes gained Tita Green last week. And I'm not asking him to win. This is kind of the same thing we talked about. You know, it's a young guy for him to break through. I, what, has any has anyone's first win ever been the players championship? I'd argue probably not. I, I not that I know of. I, not that I, I know of. I would doubt that. So we'll we'll do a little research on that. But um, so I'm not asking him to win. You know, just asking him to go out there, finish T9, show us that upside that you showed us last week, and cash this bet at seven to one. He could do it. I I worry a little bit more about the young guys this week. Uh, they typically rookies typically don't do very well at the players in their first go around. It's a golf course that takes some time to learn. It can be very tricky in spots. Uh, but the, the thing that can overcome that is extraordinary ball striking. Uh, we saw Jordan Spieth in his first go around have a great finish. I think it was he was tied fourth his first time at the players. Jordan Spieth at that time was, I mean, he basically created a Hall of Fame career in a couple of short years. And that was during that time. So I, I think there's, um, 
it, it takes an extreme amount of talent. The young guy that I look for who I think could get the job done or get close, and I prefer him over Scotty Scheffler, is Colin Morikawa. Oh, yeah. Um, which I know you love him. I, I just I think that he's so steady. He's so consistent, tee to green. And under the gun, his tempo doesn't change, which I think is extremely important coming down the stretch at TPC Sawgrass when there's so much trouble lurking everywhere you look. I, I think Colin Morikawa can handle it. So for me, in the young guy group, Morikawa is a favorite of mine. And so I'm, but I'm not playing too many of them because the odds on a young guy doing really well are slim. So I'm more in the in the Morikawa than the Scheffler camp this week. Yeah. So to put this into perspective, Morikawa is 50 to one, 10 to one to finish top 10, and four and a half to one to finish. I'm sorry, 10 to one to finish top five, four and a half to one, four and a half to one to finish top 10. Uh, then you have Scotty Scheffler, who's 80 to one. Victor Hovland also kind of in that group at a one at 100 to one. And then Matt Wolf, I'm still uh, I am still scrolling. Uh, 275 to one, Greg. Not a lot of confidence that the 3M champion is going to find his next win at the players. It doesn't seem like it'd be the course that suits him really well. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't seem like it. You look at a Hovland and a Morikawa; they're probably a little more accurate, uh, a little more precise with their irons. And their wedge plays maybe a little bit better, not immediately around the greens, but uh, they're, they're, you know, short irons and wedge play. I think Matthew Wolf has a little bit of polishing up to do in that area for him to become a, a perennial contender at the players. I think Colin Morikawa is ready this year. Victor Hovland, I have some concerns with his short game. In Port, his win in Puerto Rico, he chunked a couple of chips. He laughed that his short game was terrible. He was really bad at <laughs> chipping. That that's funny after winning, um, but heading into the players, it, you'll hit good shots and miss some greens out here. It's just going to happen. It's it's tricky, and you're going to be forced with some of these chip and pitch shots. And I don't have the all the confidence in the world in Victor Hovland in that area. Producer Jacob Jacob just dropped us a sweet three ball from Will Hill that has Colin Morikawa at plus one ten, Victor Hovland at plus one sixty three, and Matthew Wolf at plus three twenty. I imagine you're still betting Morikawa there. The number's not that short. Yeah, I I would definitely. This is another one of those situations where the the number like the, the, this, you're not trying to take advantage of odds here. You're trying to pick the guy who's gonna. When and I call this the kids' table. This group's <laughs> the kids' table, right? Chicken fingers and fries, please. Uh, and I, I think Morikawa belongs at a table with adults more so than the kids. And he's he's just that kind of mature. And the other two players are very nice, but like I said, they have areas in their game that need a little uh, that need a little work. So for Victor Hovland to win, he's going to have to have a ridiculously good ball striking week. Uh, and I think he has probably the lowest win equity of that group. I would say Matthew Wolf has surprisingly more win equity than Victor Hovland. I, I think he can kind of pop off, get really hot and win. But I don't have confidence that that's going to happen this week. I want to jump back up to the top of the betting board for a bit because I generally do not like to bet super short numbers for guys to win the golf tournament. So Rory McIlroy at a hair over seven to one, like that's usually not a number that I get to, but there are top 10 numbers for these guys that I want to get your thoughts on. So Rory to finish in the top 10 is basically a coin flip. He's actually on the plus side of it. Plus 110. John Rahm plus 163 and Justin Thomas at plus 200. We've been talking what auto locks these guys are for top 10 for however many weeks in a row. Are we willing to put our money where our mouth is? 
On John Rahm, yes. On Rory, yes. Although those are really short odds. <laughs> really short. Justin Thomas, I I would I would uh, prefer to bet him to win than I would to bet him in the top ten or something along those lines. And that may sound a little strange, but I think Justin Thomas has the biggest risk of a miscut. I think he's been probably more volatile than any of those guys. And this is a golf course where it can get away from you. It can not go your way pretty easily. And if it happened to Justin Thomas, I would be moderately surprised. But, you know, it's happened before. It happened at the Sony Open. Um, He's missed a couple cuts this year. As good as it's been when he's made the cut, he has missed some cuts. So I don't have quite as much confidence in Justin Thomas as as far as as his floor is concerned. I think Rahm and McIlroy have really high floors this week. I I worry about Rory winning the tournament. I don't really like that, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be in the mix. Fun fact, uh, Rom and Rory going 1-2, that exact forecast is 85-1, to so you get some pretty good money on it, Greg. Uh, I always think it's funny sitting here on a, you know, on a Wednesday, like, I'm so confident in everything I see on this board. I'm like, oh, that's a lock one way or another, and I can just see how this goes on Sunday where I'm crying into my pillow. Well, this is the Players' Championship, right? This is, for, for Rick, for your job. Uh, analyzing fantasy situations, right? Analyzing the betting board. My job as well. This is one of the hardest weeks of the year. I, the Open Championship is probably the only one that's harder. And this, and, and that's a maybe weather dependent. This week is so random. You just you're gonna have a guy pop up there that we didn't talk about that we overlooked. Maybe a guy you intentionally overlooked. Maybe a guy you said there's no chance. It can happen out here. It, yeah. it it brings everybody into the mix, the way the golf course sets up, the design of the golf course. Who's going to have a hot week? It, it's ridiculously hard to predict. So what's your confidence level like right now? Is it, Are you feeling the same way as I am? Like, hey, you know, it looks good now, but paper uh, is a long way from Sunday afternoon. Yeah, of course, because so many times I've been on the wrong side of this where even, you know, Rom finishing T-17 or whatever his worst finish is since the U.S. Open is like, oh, my God, how is that even possible? Yeah, so uh, absolutely. I'm at uh, my confidence is a 9.9 right now, but I know that uh, things can go awry very quickly. Um, I, I want to go rogue for a second. This is not on the outline. I'm, I'm going rogue. So here we go. I have three guys, Greg, that are 110 to one to win the golf tournament. It's the only three guys. I'm telling you that one of them is going to win the golf tournament and you have to tell me which one let's play. They are Ian Poulter, Brant Snedeker or Bubba Watson. Oh man. How about I that? don't Bubba to me. Let's go process of elimination here. Bubba okay. Watson is an easy X. Yes. I, he, it's, it's not above a course. If it's not above a course, Bubba typically doesn't do too well. I, I don't see him winning. Um, Ian Poulter interests me. Kind of I interesting, a, right? Yeah. He's just kind of, who's the other guy? Uh, Snedeker. Brant Snedeker. Also interesting. See the thing about Snedeker, Snedeker, he's my guy. Brant Snedeker is my guy. This is a golf course where a Brant Snedeker pops up on the leaderboard and and has like a Webb Simpson type week. He can I think that Brant Snedeker has by far the most win equity at this course in that group. He the guy's not afraid to win. And when he finds something, I mean he shot 59 on the PGA tour before. He's ridiculously I would say Brant Snedeker is is my bet in that one and it's uh, pretty sizable. Uh 
It's interesting, right? Because I, I think that Poulter and Snedeker are kind of similar in the fact that when their putter gets hot, they are like they can look like the best player on the face of the earth. So I think yeah. that that's interesting. And both have some flashes of results here. So Poulter uh, has played here a bunch. He has a second place finish in 2009 and he has a second place finish in 2017. That was only three years ago. Um, Snedeker's is a bit more polarizing. So he's got, <laughs> this is unbelievable. He has eight missed cuts in his last 11 years, but he also has two top eight finishes. So he's either like, he, he's either top tening this event or he's missing the cut. That's the thing about, that's why the bet's intriguing, right? That, yeah. That's the beauty of a winner take all bet is it, that doesn't matter. If he misses the cut, it doesn't matter. You're going to play him on a DFS team. Probably not, but putting some money on him to win, especially if you're, if you're going through those three guys, I, I really like it. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating bet to me. And, but I, I got to, you bring up some course history here. Mm -hmm. Do you find any difference in the May, March course history? Like, like how, how much are you looking into course history this week? Good question. So I haven't I haven't jumped too much into like since the change, uh, probably something I should look into. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, these guys are all playing the same conditions that year. So I kind of look at it more along the along the lines of um, course history as a whole. But I'm not really a course history guy. Like for me, if I'm going to say, you know, what percentage of my decision making does course history make? It's probably 20 percent. Um, I'm, I'm much more of a, a recent form, uh, I, like if it's 80% recent form and 20% course history, like that's probably my scale here. And see, to, oh, is that just here or is that, everywhere? no, that's, that's basically everywhere. Yeah. yeah. See, I, to me, there are certain courses where that number will change dramatically, yep. right? Like we see it in the desert where places where weather is less of a factor, uh, course history to me is much more important. In places, and again, Tony Fina proved you wrong in, in, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open this year, but he's a top, you know, top 15 player in the world. So to me, it depends on the venue. When you get a venue like some of these Florida courses, um, the volatility tends to go up because of weather. So uh, I, to me, this week, course history is as low as, as uh, a factor for me this week as it will be all year. Crap. I love it. No, and I and I agree with you. You know, and Augusta is the easy one to talk about where course history is even more important. So there it will definitely, you know, my percentages will change, but I'm generally pretty low on it. Yeah. Um, we talked about this yesterday, but I want to go back to it for just a second because I think it's worth it. Um, because we have three big name players, popular players, where their odds have drastically changed. Uh, Dustin Johnson at 28 to 1 to win the golf tournament, Brooks Kepka at 40 to 1 to win the golf tournament, and Jordan Spieth at 85 to 1. And we had mentioned like those are all kind of jarring. And, and I think you and I agree that DJ is the closest to flipping the switch here. Like all these guys are, are trending downwards. Uh, would not surprise me one single bit if DJ goes out and wins this week. It would surprise me a lot if Brooks or Jordan Spieth won. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, I would definitely agree. DJ is, is the favorite. I think DJ is way closer than any of the other guys to kind of finding his rhythm. I also think his attitude is, oh, I've, I just had the ball position a little too far forward and I was hitting it bad and, I've, and now it's fixed and now it'll be fixed for the rest of the year. DJ's win equity is so high. Yeah. He just, he wins every year and usually multiple times in a year. So uh, I, I think with Dustin Johnson, you get odds like this. It's, uh, it's worth putting a little bit on. Is he my favorite? Is he a guy I'm, I'm licking my chops at? No, but uh, I, I think for, 
in, in this class of three, he stands out as the guy that probably his odds probably shouldn't have dropped to where they did. Now, Brooks Kepka, would he surprise would it surprise me if Brooks Kepka won? Yes and no. Um, I don't predict him to because he's not in good form. Uh, we haven't really seen any evidence of good form. Uh, he's been hitting it all over the place. And you're going to a course where uh, left misses and right misses are both bad. And Brooks, I- I've been seeing a lot of right misses out of him. And Mark Immelman thinks that that's because of a, a fear of left. That may as well be a two-way miss to me. That means yeah. he's probably missing left in practice. So he's missing right on the course out of fear. So that gives me – that's that is bad to me for this place. It's bad, but it's yeah. Brooks Kepka. He's won four majors in, in three years. Is it surprising yeah. if he wins? No. Cause if he puts it together, if he finds something and he comes down the stretch, right, you're coming down the last three holes on Sunday. Who do you want hitting the shot in a big spot? I, I would take Brooks over Rory. I would take Brooks over Ron uh, any day of the week. You are crazy. But see the thing we've seen it. Time and time again, Rory has had kind of some sluggish Sundays recently. Uh, when he's got one shot to get the job done, he hasn't proved it the way uh, in recent recently. Basically, since Brooks has been winning his majors, he hasn't really proved it to me. So uh, I would take Brooks in that situation. Now, it's crazy now because Brooks is nowhere near that kind of form. But if 54 holes in, Brooks Kepka shows a different form and is leading the tournament. Are you going to bet against him for one round? Uh, I, <laughs> if Brooks looks good through three, we can have this conversation. Okay. The third oh, round I'd love to. It. We'll talk on Saturday <laughs> if he does, but we're not going to have that conversation Saturday because that ain't happening. Uh. I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com, okay? It allows you to do you. Let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
All right. Well, let's um, let's run through some of these head to heads because I, I always do love these. Um, so I've got a couple here for you. Uh, let's start with this one. A couple of Americans, Ricky Fowler and Patrick Reed, both of them minus one oh six. So this is dead even, Greg. Um, I don't I don't know who I want here. I'm going to let you try to convince me one way or another. I I'm going to go with Patrick Reed again. I have questions about Ricky's swing at this point. Uh, um, and I have questions about Ricky's consistency. He's had over the past little bit, ever since he started working with John Tillery, working on some new things. Again, nothing wrong with that. I think he'll be fine long term. But there's been that one round that kind of pops up and gets in the way. Uh, one bad round that ruins his chances. He'll miss the cut because of it. Or, or you, you know, you won't see him on the weekend because of one bad round. And uh, that's, this is the place where that happens. Uh, um, th- you know, it, it's easy to be playing great through 15 holes, you rinse one on 16 and then you rinse one on 17. You know, there's just so many opportunities down the stretch to make a double bogey. So I, I trust Patrick Reed in the moment more than I trust Ricky. The other thing about Patrick Reed, uh, despite, see, he's such a conundrum to me because the statistically tee to green, you're not going to see very much, very many good things, but it always seems like when you watch him in a playoff or you watch him coming down the stretch, he hits great shots. So, you know, he's capable of hitting great shots under the pressure in the moment. And I like that about him. And I also like a short game. I think Patrick Reed this week can rely on, this is one of those weeks where you can scrap it around a little bit if you're missing into the right places. So I I, I do find a factor short game to be very important. And I think Patrick Reed has an advantage in that sense. I think I agree with you. I think if you made me bet this, I would bet Patrick Reed, but I will say that there is the tiniest bit of hope for Ricky Fowler, who has now, uh, the final three rounds of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he gained on approach in all three. Um, his driver has been a little bit better. His putter has been better. Like, it, uh, there's there's glimpses there. I think he's still further away than I would like him to be. So if you made me put my money down, it would it would still be on 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 Patty Reed on this one. Yeah, even if they were in great form, I I think that see I, I consider Patrick Reed to be what I call a dirty player. And I'm not referring to any cheating. <laughs> I think a lot of people here. would consider okay. that, Greg. <laughs> I, I consider, I, I consider uh, Brooks Kepka and I consider Tiger Woods to be dirty players too. That means it, it doesn't matter how it looks to them. They are it, the the opposite of a dirty player is a pretty player. And I do think there are some times where Ricky Fowler is a pretty player. And so I, I always prefer dirty players over pretty players when it comes to the moment. And in a head-to-head bet, I'm going Patrick Reed here. Okay, uh, next one. Sergio Garcia, minus 110. Henrik Stenson, plus 100. What say you, Greg? This is a hard one. It is. It's a really hard one. Sergio's been playing some pretty good golf of late. Yeah, uh, he's the way he's doing it's weird, though. So so before you jump into that, he is gaining off the tee like an absolute animal. Now, this is only remember, we don't have as many measured rounds on either of these guys because they play a lot on the European tour. Right. He's but first his, on, on the PGA Tour, right? Yeah. yeah. He's got like uh, eight measured rounds, I believe. I think it's Genesis and WGC Mexico. And he's first off the tee. But he's lost strokes on approach in six rounds in a row, which is almost impossible to fathom that Sergio Garcia has done that because he's usually such a great ball striker. So I agree. He's, I, I do think he's playing well, but it's weird how he's doing it. Yeah. And, and that's one of those, it doesn't fit his DNA. And sometimes to me, that's a sign of good things to come. 
his strength, right? His strength being his his iron. I mean, iron. Well, I, I'd say Sergio's strength is probably the driver, which, well, and, and I'm not just saying that for this year, but he's a great iron player too, right? Yeah. Oh, oh I mean, for for long, if you go look at his long term numbers, I mean, he was he would go 20 rounds in a row from. Uh, 2017 BMW Championship to 2018 WGC Mexico, where he did not lose on approach in a single round. I mean, and he has a yeah. lot of these stretches. So, uh, so, so what you're saying is there's a lot more juice to squeeze out of this because his is assuming his irons are going to come back. Right. It's not like Ben On's putting poorly. <laughs> Ben, right, ben don't talk about Ben On's putting performances. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to bring it up. We always we we love talking about that one. But my point is, there's there's a player has a DNA, and when your strength isn't performing, to me, it's a lot easier to get your strength back than it is to get a weakness in good form. Um, so I, I do look at that as somewhat of a positive sign, and I I like Sergio Garcia at this place. Problem is, I like Stenson too, but. And Stenson shot 77 in his opening round at, at the API this year. He did the same thing last year, and he did make the cut and ended up um, with a pretty nice finish last year. So uh, this is this one is really, really hard for me. I think I'm going to give, just because we've seen a little bit more out of him, I'm going to give Sergio a slight edge. Um, but boy, it's razor thin. Yeah. Stenson looked a lot better in his second round at the API. I, I will also give the nod to Sergio here as well. I like that. Yeah. Um, Hideki minus 110 versus Patrick Cantlay minus 110. Okay. Now we've talked about Pat <laughs> yesterday. We talked about Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. Talked and a little bit about Hideki too. We talked a little about Hideki. Now Cantlay, I love I loved your point yesterday about the ownership, how, how he's not going to be owned very much because of the deviated septum correction. Um, I just have no clue what that even means. Right. So right. I don't know if that's either. Gonna, do I, how is that going to affect his game? No right? idea. I don't know. I, I have no idea. So I like Patrick Cantlay. You look at the statistics. They're not even worth talking about because they're phenomenal all yeah. around. I think I got to go with Hideki Matsuyama. What if what if Cantlay can breathe so well now that he's like now he can smell the fresh air and he's super allergic to everything? Yeah, well, yeah like, right. You, know you got to worry about allergies. Like, I, I don't know. Like, like I've got no idea. Uh, generally speaking, uh, I I think Cant Cantlay is one of the most consistent. I think his floor is so high, and in head to heads, I usually opt for those guys. So I will take Cantlay side of it. You're gonna take all right. I'll take a deck. You will be on a little disagreement here, but Beauty. man, I I don't and, like it. And then last one here, uh, Rory's a pretty sizable favorite, minus 175 over John Rahm at plus 125. I, I think I know what side you're on, which is the plus side of of John Rahm. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll take the odds. Again, I don't yeah. I don't choose matchups based on odds because it's a it to me, they're all 50 50 who's going to win. And so I, I don't really factor that into the equation. It can't pique your interest when there's a big difference because, you, you know, there's got to be a reason why you figure. But to me, these two players are so close. Um, I just I have a feeling that Rory's run of top fives is going to end at some point. Not for good, but I think there, <laughs> there's going to like the streak is going to end somewhere. And what I saw in the final three rounds out of Rory, I don't necessarily feel great about. Uh, I'm going to go with John Rahm here. 
uh, and it's a it, this is a timid one. I'm testing the waters here. I'm seeing how cold the pool is. I, I don't really want to jump in, but I, I you're forcing me, so I'm going to go John Rom. I, I do make a lot of bets based on what the odds are, and and John Rom at plus one twenty five when he's. Uh, the second best player in the field. This is the only guy you're getting plus money from. And I think that this could be, I think these odds could be a lot closer because what you mentioned, we're splitting hairs. These guys are the two best golfers in the world. They're playing like it. Um, I would not be surprised to see either of them win. So uh, yeah, I, I will just take the, I'll, I'll take the bailout and go on the plus side of it. All right. I like it. All right. It's finally time. We've got to get on the record for our one and done picks. And we had an extra day, an extra sleep to uh, really think about this and make sure this is the route we want to go. Uh, so, Mr. Greg Ducharme, uh, who are you taking in your one and done? I'm more I'm more stressed now uh, <laughs> than I would have been yesterday. Of course. Putting me on the spot yet. I got this extra sleep. There are so many players. I picked Cantlay yeah. in, in January, but... The deviated septum. I don't know. I'm having dreams. I'm tossing and turning. Who am I going to pick in one and done? Right. I'm going to go with who I, the player I think is the safest player in the field. Uh, it's a player we have surprisingly talked. Well, we talked a little bit about him yesterday. We have not brought him up today. Um, it, he is a past champion, which, again, means nothing. Uh, Webb Simpson. I Ooh. think Webb is just so consistent. This is a really big purse. There are probably some tournaments throughout the year where Webb will be an easier choice, a, a more chalky choice. But I just have a feeling that Webb's going to have a great week this week. And I'm, I'm getting in on the, the, the money grab here. So give me Webb. Well, I love Webb Simpson uh, every, every week, everywhere. He is the man. But I slept like a baby last night because I have the winner right here. And it's Bryson DeChambeau who I have, I feel like at this point, if all the praise I laid on him all week, if I did not pick him right now, uh, it would be pretty disingenuous. And, and I just really think that um, as much as as much fun as it is to kind of poke poke fun at Bryson and, and talk about, you know, the track man and talk about the beefing up and talk about all that stuff, um, major hats off to Bryson, who has figured something out and what he set out to do He's doing and it's working. And I think he's uh, honestly, I think he's breaking the game. I, I think he's solving things that I, that people have not solved yet. And I think he's a dork for it and <laughs> all that stuff. But like, I think he's going to win. I legit think he's going to win this week. I love Bryson. I, I, I'm a huge Bryson fan. Uh, it has nothing to do with his pace of play. But I really, I the things I like about Brian, every time I hear him in an interview, I just like him. He is a, a dork, right? He, yeah. But he accomplishes every goal that he achieves. He comes out with this, uh, the the method is one plane method, the single length club method, the size of the grips on his clubs. Every single thing that this guy does is thought about. And it's, he, it's like he proves it to himself before he even does it. And he doesn't care what anybody thinks. And that takes real strength. If you have people telling you what you're doing is wrong constantly over and over and over again throughout your entire life, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to break you and you're going to quit, or it's going to put a chip on your shoulder. And I think Bryson lives with a chip on his shoulder and kind of like Patrick Reed, they seem to thrive on it. I love the Bryson pick. The only problem is I used him last week at the API. So uh, the, the one and done, the done part really got me this week. So unfortunately I can't pick him. 
He is done for you. He is the one for me. That'll do it <laughs> for this episode of The First Cut. Greg, thanks for joining me again. That was a lot of fun. That was a smooth finish, by the way. Very nice. well done. Professional. Uh, thank you very much. I'm getting better at this. All right. Uh, we've got we've got reaction episodes after every round this week. Uh, the First Cut pod on Twitter, at, the, at First Cut pod, is uh, catching fire along with the same handle over on Instagram. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. Always appreciated. Holler at Greg on Twitter. Tell him how much Bryson is going to win this week. You can get him. It's at the real GFD. I'm at Rick Run Good, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.